0: Again, I'll welcome everybody to the Carolina Bible Group Bible Study Voice Room, uh, Sunday morning edition study this morning. Uh, today's study will be study number 55, and I never thought we'd go this far with this one this time, uh, and we still ain't done, so this will be 55 in our series entitled Angels and Giants, uh, Factor Fiction, and the date stamp for today is uh, August 21st, 2022, Um Our purpose in this entire series, as I've continually said, is to investigate the angels and giants mentioned in Scripture. And by doing so, try to alleviate some of the confusion that some Scripture verses uh, tend to generate uh, with with some folks. And uh, I've had several really good conversations with folks uh, this week. Uh, Nick and I have had some, and and some I've yet to do had a really good um, discussion with Jane um, the other night Jane Warren she called and and we talked uh, about some things that she had some questions about and I tell you it, it, for anybody that that loves the scripture you'd love to talk about it or if you got questions about anything I've said or even anything maybe some of the other speakers have said don't hesitate to call because it, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all it's actually a one of the blessings that goes um, that goes along with um actually getting the privilege to to be able to speak a little so it's not going to not going to be any um admonition to agree as a matter of fact uh, I would urge everybody to to study to show yourself approved but I think that part of that you know the the idea portion of it uh, the beginning of understanding is um is questioning and having ideas and um, then trying that against what saith the word of God, and so that that should be always where our where our conclusions rest is in the word of God. Uh, last week we reviewed the the elders and the beast that are noted in Revelations chapter Revelation chapter four and five um, as being literally around the throne of God in the heavens. Uh, so, although these, uh, these words are not translated as angels, uh, the words are translated as the word elder and the word beast, but these are obviously not, uh, humans. These are created beings within the realm of God's angelic order. And even though they're, they're technically not angels or messengers, they are still created beings that have a function and a purpose within the plan of God, and literally within the, the furnishings of God, I guess, in the in the throne room of heaven. So, you know, this is difficult to do a study of angels and all these creatures, uh, because uh, in the Book of Revelation, because when you get to the Book of Revelation, like I say, angels are mentioned seventy-two times, I believe. And then if you add these elders and beasts into the mix, then you're pretty much going to have to read every chapter in the book of Revelation. So I want to stress here at the beginning today that this is not an in-depth study of the book of Revelation by any means. And Ronnie is the last one who will stand up and tell you that, yeah, I've got Revelation all figured out. All you've got to do is ask me and I can tell you because that is certainly not the case. Uh, I've got as many or more questions about Revelation as I have, uh, as I have answers. And I still for myself am trying to work it all and and sort it all out because I believe it can be understood. I realize that this is about Israel and that it is not, uh, what we would call church or mystery truth, uh, for today. Although it is truth for a different dispensation. Uh, this is written for us and not specifically to us. Uh, but I still believe that it can be understood. Uh, if we, if we apply the principles of right division and realize that a lot of what's going on is, it's, uh, like our guy, you know, John is our man on the scene, our reporter on the scene, and he's telling what he sees, what's revealed to him in the heavens. And then he's telling us what's revealed is going on on the earth as a result of what happens in the heavens. Because that's how it works as you go through it. And then you've got all these inter- these supernatural beings that are being pulled in and doing these things at God's bidding and by his will. Uh, and a lot of this is symbolic. There's a lot of, uh, I think, the, the difficulty in understanding Revelation is understanding what's symbolic. And realizing that John is looking forward to a point in history because as we're going to read today, you're going to see where it mentions there's a lot of people in heaven. And at the time that John's looking at it, it's moved ahead to the point where now there are men in heaven. But at the point where we are in this age today, that is not the case because we haven't reached that point in God's plan yet. So you've got to, you got to kind of look at it. With a little logic and and understand where we are as opposed to where John had been moved to, to where he could see a lot of what's going on here. And I hope that makes sense. That that when we're reading it, we are reading about future events. They have I don't believe they've taken place yet. And so understanding that I think is paramount to, and, and right trying to rightly divide even the book of Revelation. You have to or or understanding is going to be uh, tainted and difficult. So hopefully, um, hopefully that makes a little sense. Turn with me in our continuation this morning uh, uh, to, the, to the book of Revelation chapter 6. And like I said, it's going to be difficult to study angels and beasts and elders in the book of Revelation almost without just reading the whole thing. Because if I just go through and hit verses, it's it's going to be a real helter-skelter um, seed picker type of thing, and it's not going to make a lot of sense without the context. So we may end up, I hope nobody's in a hurry, we may end up reading the entire book of Revelation. I don't know. Um, I'll take it as I try to present it and try to present it in a way that makes a little sense and puts a little continuity with it. Uh, so that we can walk away saying, well, yeah, I did get a little out of that, and that was a blessing. So um, so we're going to look at these elders and beasts a little bit more here in Revelation 6. And although not translated in the King James Version as angels, uh, these beings are nonetheless created spirit beings within the realm of God, the Father. Within God's realm, there are different kinds of created angelic order beings. And I hope you understand that. It's, um, they're not all angels, and even within the angels there's, I believe, archangels and a rank and file. And then there are uh, the cherub. There are these uh, living creatures that are possibly cherubim that are close to the throne, that are around the throne of God. Remember these elders? Uh, there's 24 of them around the throne as we read last week. I'm trying to get in your mind a little bit of a picture of how, you know, as best we with our little feeble minds, you know, how do we? <laughs> and I, I think about that. How does a speck of dust with life even envision in our heads what the throne room of God looks like? To me, that's almost, well, why do you even bother? Because you're, We are so infinitesimally small that that how can we even get our brain around what the throne room of God the creator looks like. Uh, Someone who wields or a being that wields the power, an, uh, an essence that wields the power that God does. Who has created all that we know and still understands the number of hairs on our heads. And knows when a sparrow falls in the field that blows my mind when I try to get my mind around how big and vast and, and just awesome our God is. And, and I don't know how else to explain that or describe it other than the difference in him and us. We are so small and he is so great. So revelation six. Let's uh, let's continue our look at the, the angelic references in Revelation this morning a little bit. And uh, there's a few things as we go through this that I want you to note. And I want you to note the utterings from each of the four beast, or these zoon, these, uh, in the Greek, it's the word zoon, these living creatures. And I, I prefer the word creatures here uh, over beast. And incidentally, like, when it's talking about the mark of the beast in Revelation? That word beast is translated from a different word. It's not zoom. It uh, it, it will be beast uh, probably with a, and I had not looked it up yet, but it'll probably be beast with some sort of negative connotation to it. Uh, so I, I still need to check that one out for myself. So Revelation 6, let's read verses. Uh, I want you to really look at 1 through 7 and then we'll We'll probably read all of six and all of seven, but particularly this morning, I want you to look at one through seven and I want you to note the utterings from each of these four living creatures here. It says in Revelation six, one, this is John going on. Now remember, we've already, we've already, um, looked at what was contained in four and five last week and these angels and the strong angels. And the beast and the elders that were around the throne. And we kind of got the layout of what's going on in, in in heaven. Because remember, Revelation is the comparison of what's happening in heaven as to what's happening on the earth. So as we move along, John is telling us more about what he sees. And I'm not going to get too much in the last week's study now, since you you know we do have it recorded and people will be able to go back and listen to it. So we'll move on this morning. John says, and I saw When the lamb opened one of the seals. Remember last time, there came forward a lamb who was slain that was qualified to open the seals and to open the book. And they all praised him that was able, had the power to open the book. And here we see the lamb proceeding with opening the seals on the book. And John has a front row seat for this. And he's writing what he sees. And it's going to be interesting because he's going to be told over and, over and over and over and over again to write what he sees until we get down to Revelation chapter 10. And then all of a sudden, they're going to say, Seal it up. Do not write about this. And that to me is interesting. Very interesting. So let's read Revelation six one. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, the first of the seals. And I heard, he said, as it were, the noise of thunder. And this happens a lot with these occurrences of major importance that happen here in the heavens. He said, and as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts or one of the four living creatures... Saying, listen, come and see. And you'll see this often. You're going to see it four times in the next seven verses. Every time one of these, one of these living creatures, every time one of the seals is open, one of these live, another one of these living creatures is going to tell John, come and see. And then that's where the symbology comes in. So the beast said, come and see. Verse two, John said, and I saw. When they said, come and see, he said, I saw. So you have to trust John that he's actually seeing what he's being shown here. So he said, I saw, verse 2, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a boat. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, here's where you can spend a lot of time and a lot of scriptural comparison is in looking at what the, the symbology of the white horse is and the one that's sitting on him with the bow, all these, all these symbolic things that represent probably something else as we go through this. Then it says in verse three, John said, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second. You see, it's not the first one now. This is a different beast. And it's probably in the same order that they were introduced back in chapters 4 and 5, if I were guessing. That's a guess. I'll be up front with you. So it says, when he had opened the second seal, verse 3, I heard the second living creature say what? Hey, come and see. We're going to reveal things to you. This is a... After all, the apocalypsis, the unveiling of the Lord's day and of the Lord Jesus Christ in his return, right? So the second beast says, come and see. Verse four. And there went out another horse that was red. So we have a white horse and red horse. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. Remember what the Lord used to say when he would appear within the, the apostles? What would he say? Peace be with you.
1: Or peace on
0: earth. Yeah. Peace be with you. Now what does he say? There's power given to this to him that set own to take peace from the earth. So the day of peace, as if you want to call what we're in today peace, is going to be gone. Peace is going to be taken from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. That's the second horse from the second seal. Verse 5, and when he, and remember who the one who's opening the seals are. This is the lamb that was slain. He that hath the power. This is the lamb that was killed and now lives forevermore. When he the lamb had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast. you see that? Each time John gets spoken to, It's with one of these different four beasts that are mentioned in four and five. The third beast said, come and see. Well, that should be no surprise by now. Even Ronnie can see this pattern coming along. John said, and I beheld and lo, a black horse. So we have a white horse, a red horse, and a black horse so far. You think that's symbolic? (laughs) I would. The the book, Color and Scripture, might come in handy at this point, I would think. So I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Well, usually that means we're going to measure something out. Something's got to be measured. And I heard a a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, Measure a wheat for a penny. Three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So this has to do with trade and commerce, evidently. Just a guess. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal. Now there are seven seals in all on this book. We're down to number four. In seven verses. When he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast. So all four beasts, or all four living creatures around the throne of God, have spoken to John at this point. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. there, There again, that's a big surprise. Every one of them has said, come and see what I have to show you. And I looked. Verse 8, John said, and behold, a pale horse. We got a white horse, we got a red horse, we got a black horse, and a pale horse. All symbolic, I do believe. And his name that sat on him was Death. Huh. Well, that would make sense if there's no more peace, right? That kind of goes, one goes hand in hand with the other. He that sat on him, his name was death, and the grave followed with him. Death and gravedom. Usually gravedom follows very closely behind death. The state of being dead. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. To kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the wild beast of the earth. So they're even going to turn the wild beast of the earth into killing machines. So you see, when they say, Lord, I wish the Lord would return tomorrow. Do they really know what they say? Now don't get me wrong, I long for my heavenly home as much as anybody. I long for what the Lord has in store for me as much or more than anybody. But a lot of people when they say, Lord, I wish the Lord would come back tomorrow, I don't think they really know what they're asking or what they're, I don't think they understand the judgment that goes along with that because the peace is gone. It's judgment time. It's uh the vengeance of the Lord time. The great and terrible day of the Lord, as it's called in the Old Testament. Verse 9. And when he had opened the fourth seal, uh, uh, and this is interesting. I want you to The fifth seal. Or the fifth seal. Yeah, I'm sorry. When he had opened the fifth seal, Uh we're all the way down to seal number 5 out of 7. So when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar... Remember, John has moved ahead to a point where these things are now a reality in time. They're no longer non-existent because he's there. I was in the Spirit, he said, on the Lord's day. So we saw under the altar the individual men, the souls, it says, because the King James translation doesn't know any better. But this is um I believe this is Nefesh, if I'm not mistaken. Or here it's uh probably Suke. The the and it can be translated as individual men of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So
1: that that is uh probably considered the prophets and uh
0: those that. And the,
1: ones that were doing the, and the over, for
0: God. All these overcomers. are basically going to end up being the overcomers. And they cried with a loud voice. Look at verse 10. Saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Lord, the one who has the power, how long are you going to wait before you avenge? See? They never avenged. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And here are these that are under the altar. Cry for that vengeance to begin to take place. Now that makes, does it seem odd to you. Doesn't, I mean, it, to me it kind of makes sense. But it does seem odd that those that are under the altar would cry for vengeance. We want, we want to be avenged. And we want you to do it. And I look forward to the righteous judgment. of. I think it takes Christ to straighten yeah. out the, all, that, all that we have today. It takes God to straighten it out. Men left to our own volition, we are never going to be able to straighten it all out and do it right. So they cried with a loud voice, verse 10, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? The vengeance of the Lord. Look at the note on in the Companion Bible on uh, verse 10 there where it says avenge. It says see Deuteronomy 32, 43 and Luke eighteen three, A call consistent with the day of judgment, not with the present day of grace. That's a good note. The day of judgment. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment. Great and terrible is it. Day of gloom. Verse 11, it says, And white robes were given unto every one of them. These are those that were under the altar. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. Oh, so when this revelation takes place, even where John is at that time in, in in the progression, all yet have not died that will die for the name of the Lord. Isn't that something? That, this is a very interesting, it's a very interesting verse here. If you think about it. it, says white robes are given unto every one of them, and it said unto them, "You got to wait just a little longer." Wait just yet for a little season yep, until the, your fellow servants that are going to die for this word of the Lord come to pass. That's interesting. Verse 12.
1: Well, there ain't going to be none left that's supposed to be in the body
0: of Christ. Oh, yeah. They were it says in verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. We're down to six out of seven seals here. When he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Or or red as the, the color of blood. Listen to this, verse 13. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Interesting. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. You ever went by a fruit tree after, you know, when it's still bearing fruit? After a really good storm? Remember, we used to do this in the apple orchard. And it would you know, it like a smorgasbord for us because these are, you know, I always, I don't know what it was. I always loved picking an apple right off the tree and eating it. I didn't like picking them up off the ground and eating them. I don't know why. To me, it's just the pristineness and the freshness of an apple that was on the tree kind of guaranteed you it was going to be better for whatever reason.
1: Well, it, it was still in growth and growth.
0: It was still developing and alive, exactly. And that's why I always preferred to eat a fresh apple right off the tree, still do, as opposed to picking one up off the ground. But after a storm... It was kind of a free-for-all. If you went up there right after the storm, you didn't even have to pick it off the tree. There were all kind of fresh yeah. fresh apples laying around underneath the tree. That's exactly what this is talking about here. The stars come down, but they're uh, kind of out of time or prematurely, so to say. The stars of heaven fell into the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. That's a great analogy there uh, given as a picture. You see how the, the book of Revelation uses types and shadows and pictures and symbology to paint these things for us. Verse 14, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And Jane and I talked the other night a little bit about the bubble that I believe that we exist in with the water, the deep, Mm -hmm. push back against the other edge of the firmament. The firmament, of course, being the great expanse where the moon, the stars, the galaxies, everything that we know to exist in the universe exists. But I believe if you get to the end of that, there is ice. And it was water, but I believe it's been allowed to harden into ice by God. At the edge of the universe. Well guess what. It looks like at a point. The heaven. Departs as a scroll. When it's rolled together. And every mountain and island. Were moved out of their places. So there's going to be. Some upheaval. Big time. As if the stars falling. Are not enough. Where do they go you reckon. Well it says. um. Uh, fell under the earth. That's interesting. Makes you wonder what the stars are, doesn't it? Because some of the stars, if they are suns, are millions of times bigger than our earth. So something to think about there. Remember, I promised you, I didn't have all the answers for the book of Revelation yet. Verse 15, And the kings of the earth... And the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man, free man hid themselves. (laughs) Some may be, some may have a better hiding place than others, but everybody tries to hide from what's going on. They hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You mean now the people on the earth can look up and see who's sitting on the throne? And they can see the one who is the Lamb? Evidently. Hide us from him. And that doesn't happen until after it says the heaven is rolled back as a scroll. Opened up. As if it's closed now, which I believe it is. Well, I believe God requires the separation of us.
1: Yeah, out there somewhere.
0: Somewhere there's got to be a boundary between him that. and the, the contained sin within his creation. Yeah. There was a time remember, when he would not abide in Ezekiel 28. He said, therefore, because you have sinned, Lucifer, I will cast thee as profane. Out of the mountain of God. And then in Luke nine, the Lord tells Peter, I beheld Satan himself as lightning fall from heaven. That's the third heaven. That's the heaven where God is things to think about. Verse 17. For the great day of his wrath, the Lord's day is come. It's here. Why? Because we've opened six of these seals. The great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? It will continue. I want to continue right on into 7. I'll try try to get in 1 through 17. But I want you to note in 7, the mention especially of the four angels that is said to be on the four corners of the earth. And also there's a fifth angel that comes out of the east that seals the overcomers. I thought that was interesting. And again, this is not an in-depth study of the book of Revelation, not meant to be. We are looking at the creatures mentioned here and how they interact with the heavens, with the earth, and what's actually going on with the plan of God here is what I really want you to see. How God uses these beings. How they all have an assigned They all have an assigned um, job to do. Chapter 7, verse 1. John said, And after these things, or the things that we just read, I saw four angels. Now these are not listed as living creatures or beasts or elders or any of that. They're angels, the messengers. I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Four corners. On a round ball. Interesting. That, that interests me a little bit. <laughs> well, Where are the four corners on a round ball?
1: Well, it talks about the mountains and the islands were moved out of their place, so, if ever had it's reconfigured.
0: That's a good point. It might be. It's not, maybe not a round ball anymore. I don't
1: know. Right. It's
0: like in Peleg's day. Yeah. He started
1: shirking and spread them out.
0: That's a good point. He
1: could have brought
0: them back. That's a very good point that I did not think of. See why the conversation is important. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. That's interesting. And I saw another angel, verse 2, chapter 7, Revelation. Another angel. So we've got five now. I saw another angel ascending from the east. So even when we're dealing with the earth as a whole, the directions are still important. This angel comes out of the east having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And he said this in verse 3. Hurt not the earth. Whoa, y'all. Hold on a second. Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Oh, so still got some, still got some people here that need to be sealed. Interesting. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. Verse, verse 4. I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. 144,000. <laughs> and these <laughs> these are not the Jehovah's Witnesses. I promise you. They think they are, but they are not. And then as you go down, verses 5 through 8, I believe, it's going to list who these 144,000 are. Now, I don't know why in the world we have various denominations running around today claiming to be part of the 144,000 especially after the setting aside of Israel at Acts 28.28, 28, and there's neither Jew nor Gentile anymore, that that sort of blows my mind a little bit, that somebody could be swayed by such bad doctrine. But it happens. So of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. Gad, 12,000. Asher, 12,000. Nephilim, 12,000. Tribe of Manassas, 12,000. Simeon, 12,000, Levi, 12,000, Ishakar, 12,000, Zebulun, 12,000, Joseph, 12,000, Benjamin, 12,000. Pretty easy, right? Now, if you look at this progression, uh, let's read the note on 5 through 8 in the Companion Bible. It says, These verses foretell a literal ceiling of a literal number of people taken from those tribes of Israel. No Jew now knows for certain his tribe, talking about the day in which the notes of the Companion Bible were read, which is basically our present day, uh, minus about 30, 40 years, 50, 60 years. No Jew now knows for certain his tribe, but the divine sealers know. That's all that matters. Do you think for one minute this angel that's flying toward these four angels, from the east, with the seal of God, doesn't know who he's got a seal? That's preposterous. And it doesn't matter how hard or how sincerely or how diligently you claim to work, to be one of those 144,000, you will never be. Because it's today. for Because this belongs to a different dispensation. I hate to break it to them, but that's just the cold hard facts of it. It can't happen. One hundred forty-four thousand are set apart for God's purposes. Dan, the tribe of Dan and the tribe of Ephraim are omitted. Levi and Joseph taking their places for the reason. See Leviticus twenty-four ten through sixteen. So see the blessings of these tribes change as time went by, and the tribes, the leaders of the tribe. Did certain things. Uh, also reference Deuteronomy 29:18 through 21, Judges 18:2 through 31, 1 Kings 12:26 through 33, uh, and Hosea 4:17. Their restoration to earthly inheritance is shown uh, per Ezekiel 48. The reason being given in Romans 11:20. So there's some study for you to do. You can understand what's going on with these 144,000 and why the ones that are listed here are listed here. There's reasons for the ones that are picked. Let's move on. I'm not going to make it today, I don't believe. And now we're back in heaven again. John's telling, when we started out in 6, 1, we were on the earth. I wanted to point that out. This thing's on earth. And then now that we've got down to chapter seven, verse nine, we're back to John looking at things in heaven. And it'll help you in your, in your Bible. If you'll go and look at that outline and at the beginning of the book of Revelation and go through and mark each scripture reference that begins in heaven and then the ones that begin on earth. And to me, it's a really big help going through my Bible to know which one I'm looking at, whether we're looking at things in heaven, things on earth. So John says in verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Ah, now we've got some folks here before the throne. First time I've seen this so far. I've seen some under the altar. But I hadn't seen any before the throne yet. So now we do. And this is in the progression, remember, of what John's seeing in the time that he's standing there in the Lord's day. Verse 10, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. Verse 11, And all the angels stood around about the throne. See, those that are those that are resurrected and stand there are listed differently from the angels that stand there. A lot of lot of folks have it in their mind they turn into an angel. Well, they may get a different body, but they're never going to be an angel because God created angels specifically for a specific purpose. Each one, I'll promise you, in the heavens has his own purpose. Because God is not a God of chaos. God does not do things without plan and purpose. And every single one of the thousands upon thousands and thousands and thousands of angels have a specific purpose, I believe, that God created him for. Or he wouldn't be there. I just believe that. It's all for a reason. Just like everything that takes place with us, I believe, is for a reason. Verse 11, And all the angels stood around about the throne, and about the elders, there's the 24 elders again, and the four living creatures, there they are again, and they fell before the throne on their faces. You see that? and worship God as well they should. Here's what they were saying in verse 12. Saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven things. Amazing, isn't it? Seven things. All these be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. What a sight that must have been for John in the heavens. All these people, all these angels, all these elders, the four living creatures stand before this lamb. And we ain't even opened the seventh seal yet, y'all. Did you notice that? We have not opened the seventh seal yet. Amazing. No wonder Paul told the Thessalonians of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For ye yourselves know perfectly well with full knowledge about the day of the Lord, how it cometh as a thief in the night. Man. Verse 13. Revelation 7. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, see these elders and these four beasts keep talking to John. They keep him engaged in what's happening and what's coming next. There in the throne room of God. Our guy on the floor. Man on the scene, as the news people like to say. One of the elders answered verse 13, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence they come? So the elders are asking John the very question that he's probably going to ask him. And I think that's the point. That's some of the literary, it's the scripture's way or the Holy Spirit's way of of making a point. So the elder asked John, hey, what what are all these that are arrayed in white? What's the meaning of all this? And I said unto him, verse fourteen. John said, "Sir, you know thou knowest. I don't know. That's exactly what I would have said. I have no clue what's going on here." Sir, thou knowest, and he said unto me, he had the answer all along, right? Yeah, he, he's
1: the good lawyer.
0: He, he don't ask. The yeah, question he asks. Yeah, he lets. He asks the question that he knows you want to ask. Yeah. He said unto me, these are they. Listen, here's the explanation of the people that are there. Here's why they're there. These are they which came out of great tribulation. So these are on the other side that came through the tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And there's some notes on the fact that these wash their own robes. This is sort of a by works Type of thing. These are they, it said, that came out of great tribulation. More of a works based Verse 15. Therefore are they before the throne of God. That's the reason they're here, he says. So they're before the throne of God and they serve him, God, day and night. In his temple. So there's day and night there. That's interesting to me. They serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne <clears throat> shall dwell among them. And then you see some quotes beginning at verse 16. You're going to see, because the way the Companion Bible does it, um, the way the Compa- Companion Bible does it, when you see the bold text, it means it's quoted from somewhere else in the scripture. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Isaiah 30, if I'm not uh, mistaken here. It says, uh, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall do what? The Lamb shall feed them, shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. Oh, so they need these waters. And they need to be fed, evidently. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes.
1: Well, that, I think that's coming in chapter 20
0: and 21. I, I believe you might be right. So, evidently I did get through it. I got through it with just a couple of minutes to spare. And, uh, but yeah, these, these things that happen in the book of Revelation, And the interaction of the angels that take place that cause these events to come about is extremely interesting. And you almost need like a running diagram to see what's happening and to keep up with the things that take place in heaven versus the things that take place on earth. And I think it's even noteworthy to mention whether John is spoken to by an elder, one of the 24 elders. Or by one of the four living creatures. Or by yet another angel. Even, even the source of the interrogation with John, I believe, is meaningful here. And again, not saying I've got it all figured out. I'm just saying that there's a lot, there's a lot going on interacting with these beings. You have a human being trying to interact with these angelic creatures. On a level that had to be um, mind-boggling at, at best. And to convey this revelation. This unveiling of this apocalypsis. Of the Son of God. And all the events that, that transpire. According to the great and terrible day of the Lord. When the Lord returns. And there is the personal presence. Of a vengeful Lord Jesus Christ on the face of this old earth. This old earth has seen a lot. But this old earth is not done seeing what is yet to come from the face of the Lord. So with that we will stop. Uh hopefully I'm not sure about the Arizona study today. Barney if you could drop a note in there and let us know uh whether you guys are going to be having a study or not, I'd appreciate it. Bow with me if you would. Yes, he says. Thank you, Barney. Um Bow with us if you would, and uh, with that we will close, and we will uh, unlock the mic and turn it over to Barnes. So bow with us. Uh, Father, again, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for that that we see in it. Father, for the comparisons and for the things that it brings to our mind. And Father, for these pictures that our pitiful minds try to draw of you and this, this beautiful throne room, and Father, all these things, how they must look. Father, the, the majesty of you and your creation shines as great in the book of Revelation, Father, as it does in any other book. And Father, we are so blown away always by things that we, that we read and understand. And we're thankful for that, Father, because we know that it comes through the revelation of your spirit. Uh, Father, continue to be with those today that need a, a touch from you. Um, Thank you for each and every one that has joined us for this study. And our prayer is that they were blessed by that that they heard today and grew a little bit in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to be with uh, my friend Mark's family as they suffer through the loss of his brother. Father, be with uh, the Opperman family that Dan mentioned earlier. Father, for all of our um, body members that are, are suffering or those that travel, uh, follow those that are healing and convalescing, we remember, we remember them all. Father, the time fails us to mention each and every one. So, Father, we we pray that you would, we, that in your way and in your fashion, according to your plan and purpose, that you would be with each and every one accordingly. Uh, bless us as we go through the rest of our day here. Uh, Father, bless the upcoming studies and all that we endeavor to do in your name. Of course, in Christ's name today we humbly pray. Amen.